listeners, it's Jeff Cross, your host of Friends with Employee Benefits. And uh, so back in December, we had U.S. Senator Chris Murphy on, and Senator Murphy was um, was on to sort of promote his uh, Choose Medicare Act and public options and uh, essentially uh, a Medicare for all solution um, for healthcare in this country. And so we, we, we figured we should probably find a Republican to come on and give an alternative point of view. And I'm, I'm really thrilled. We had a great conversation with the Connecticut State Senate Minority Leader, Kevin Kelly, Senator Kevin Kelly. Uh, he was on to, to kind of give the other side of this story or to offer up solutions, um, alternative to public opt-in and Medicare for all and, and, uh, and single payer healthcare. So without any further ado, I think you're gonna love this episode. Uh, you gotta listen start to finish. There's a lot of good stuff here. So sit back and enjoy. Well, welcome to the podcast, Senator Kelly. We very much appreciate you uh, coming on today. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll get right into it. Um, um, there was a public option bill in the, in the legislature, this legislative session, and that died because, uh, as I understand it, because Governor Lamont said he wouldn't support it. And, um, but um, I kind of wonder how you feel about that bill. It was SB 842, and it was for a public option offered to individuals and small businesses. Um, you know, what was your position on that, Senator? And, and and I'm also curious, was the legislature divided on party lines on this, or were there some uh, Republicans that favor public option and Democrats who were opposed to it? I'm, I'm always just curious about how partisan uh, an issue is. Uh, very good question. Uh, I think the bill died uh, because of issues that go beyond just the governor not supporting it. Uh, I do not know of any Republican that supported that this measure, uh, but there were some Democrats like the governor who recognized that the public option was just a bad idea for the state of Connecticut. Uh, let's you know all recall what Senate Bill 842 did. Um, it was a bill that uh, created a government-run healthcare payment program. Uh, modeled after the partnership plan and, and controlled and operated by the comptroller. Now, currently that partnership plan is running in the red, which means that the state's taxpayers are the ones left holding the bag. Uh, in prior years, the debt was $40 million. And in this fiscal year, uh, it's projected to lose another $90 million. So uh, this government run payment program uh, was running in the red, backstopped by the taxpayers. And the thing that's important to remember here is that this is not insurance. It's a payment program. It's a government program. So it's not uh, regulated by the Connecticut Department of Insurance and doesn't have all the protections uh, that people have come to understand and appreciate under the Affordable Care Act, like coverage for pre-existing conditions. So in the bill as written, the comptroller actually had the ability to discriminate uh, against people who would participate in this. Uh, and so it was just not a good uh, conceived program. And worst of all, uh, it goes into direct competition with one of Connecticut's flagship industry, which would cost us uh, tens of thousands of good paying middle-class jobs. And it's initiatives like this that make Connecticut 
what it is, and that is the worst state in the country at job growth. Uh, and while it's not the public option, as it was written, wasn't officially or technically going to be an insurance plan, it did basically put the state and state taxpayers in the insurance business, though. Really, you you mentioned backstop by taxpayers, right? It was it, That would be a transfer of risk from an individual or an employer to the state, which, which is insurance. And uh, I I'm reading you correctly, your, your concern is that we have no place getting into the insurance business right now, given our fiscal situation. Well, we have no business being in any industry, quite frankly. Uh, and the real concern here is not only just this. I mean, here, the state of Connecticut is picking on its flagship industry. We're, we're known as the insurance capital uh, of America. And, and this is a problem uh, when the state decides to go into business against any of our industries. Uh, most notably, if they can pick on a flagship industry, they can pick on a mom and pop shop real easy. And what I forgot to mention at the outset is that, and oh, by the way, uh, there's also an, a tax included in this, this uh, health care plan uh, to help, uh, I'm going to say, expand the Medicaid program. So 842 was just ill-conceived. One of the you know, proponents of 842, the public option, would say, well, we don't have enough competition in the private market in the state of Connecticut. And so, and so why wouldn't we want to you know, have another option? Why wouldn't we want a public option to compete against the, to add more options or more choice for employers and individuals out there? What, what, what's your response to that? Well, a, a lot of this has occurred since the adoption of the Affordable Care Act and the legislative mandates that the state government under the leadership of Connecticut Democrats have placed on, I'm going to say, insurance policies in the fully insured market, which is most of your small businesses. Uh, the larger companies are self-insured uh, and you have the individuals that are on Medicaid. Uh, but when we look at the small mom and pop businesses that are the backbone of Connecticut, uh, they are in the fully insured market. And the, those are the policies that Connecticut Democrats have continued to put mandates on, which has increased the cost. Uh, now there are options and you know, it's not just a public option. A public option is really not an insurance product. It's a government run program. Uh, and like I say, it doesn't have the protections of like uh, pre-existing conditions, coverage to kids to 26, the things that people have come become accustomed to in the current system, and they want to keep their doctor and their healthcare providers. But what they want to see is that, that that system works better for them. Well, the public option is a new system. There was a reinsurance program, which was something that we advocated for, and actually the governor did too, uh, which would also operate on the current system, the Affordable Care Act system, but would utilize uh, what's known as a 1332 waiver to leverage federal dollars to Connecticut. And we could lower premiums in that fully insured market by up to 30%. So the average cost of a family in Connecticut, their, their health insurance premiums is about $2,000. So when you're talking about a 30% cut, we're talking about about $600 per family uh, per year uh, or per month. Uh, that's real money. That's a game changer for fa Connecticut families. And, and to me, that's a way to make uh, health care insurance affordable. 
So, Senator, isn't it I, last I knew that there there is a uh, a reinsurance program in the small group market in the state of Connecticut, uh, but but I think that the insurance companies fund it, right? So it, it doesn't actually reduce premiums. I, I think you're talking about something different that would be funded by the state and then supplemented by by federal money. Is that right? Well, what it what it does is the, the Affordable Care Act, when it was enacted, uh, had federal reinsurance backing it up. Mm -hmm. uh, but our representatives in Congress, when they passed this law, didn't fund it. The Democrats uh, that we sent to Washington didn't fund it. And since uh, I think it's about 2016, uh, nobody has funded it. And we've seen uh, premiums go through the roof. So what our reinsurance uh, idea does is it it utilizes the Affordable Care Act and would create a state-based funding mechanism. Uh, if you're gonna make legislative mandates, then put your money where your mouth is and pay the, the cost to bring down the premiums. And so the state would do that out of the general fund, which was our, our proposal. And we can reduce the premium by leveraging federal dollars, because right now they, people receive tax credits uh, if they have high insurance premiums, well, the federal government, if we can show that we can reduce premiums, the federal government will reimburse the state those tax credits that they're saving and thereby leverage money from Washington in to provide the, the relief to Connecticut families. Yeah, some people would say, well, wait, why should we use money out of our state general fund to help insurance companies? Uh, offset or spread the cost or offset the cost of, of you know, the, the, the very, very sickest and uh, most expensive uh, insured, right? Um, but that would flow down to families. If, it, if it's going to reduce premium, isn't that, a, isn't that the right idea? Well, I think it's a misplaced focus, as you just said. Yeah. Uh, the Democrats are so focused on, and have a disdain for the Connecticut insurance industry, and they're not looking at how much we can help our neighbors and our friends and families uh, help pay for the, the health care for their, their, their families and their kids. It also turns a blind eye to the legislature's role, uh, both in the adoption of the Affordable Care Act and in legislating mandates on what needs to be an essential benefit under the Affordable Care Act, like coverage to 26 for your kids and covering pre-existing conditions. Well, when the legislature comes in and says that those are necessary components of a health insurance uh, policy, then I think as a collective community, we have an obligation to make sure that that coverage is paid for and not unduly burden all of Connecticut's families. Uh, I think what it, it, it from my perspective, uh, the whole purpose here is to make uh, healthcare accessible and affordable for Connecticut families. And that's what I'm focused on. And that's what I continue to be focused on. So one of your ideas or the Republican caucus ideas is, is the reinsurance program. Let me ask you, Senator, would that be, would that impact um, the individual market, small group market, large group market, all of the above? Like, like where would the insurance companies get the help? Well, it's anybody that's in the fully insured market. Any fully insured, okay. Obviously, uh, if you're a self-insured, uh, you're not purchasing it the same way. You're just self-insuring your, your, uh, your employee pool. Yeah. So this is a fully insured 
market, anybody that buys a, a private policy in the state of Connecticut, uh, and anybody that buys a product through the exchange uh, would have the opportunity to participate in this. It's basically policies offered through and under the Affordable Care Act. Uh, and so this would help reduce the cost, like I say, up to 30%. Uh, you know, and, and right now we were actually on the at a point where we really had an opportunity because this waiver process takes about a year to a year and a half to get approved by the federal government. And with the federal government and the American Rescue Funds coming into the state, now is the time to do this so that we'd have a window to cover and, and be able to, to really put Connecticut in a place that when those funds dry up, the state would be in a position to perform for the families of Connecticut. Unfortunately, the Democrats don't view it that way. They'd I, I think, quite frankly, they'd rather keep a political issue where they can keep going back to people saying that they care about reducing the cost of health care rather than actually solving the problem. How else do we solve the problem? So in addition to a reinsurance program, what, what else would you recommend? Um, uh, you know, what other alternatives to a public option do you see for reducing health care costs and health insurance premiums? Well, uh, number one is you got to look at, uh, you know, not only what the problems with the public option are, but I think, you know, our experience from COVID uh, and the Mathematica report demonstrate what a single payer system, uh, what type of healthcare system that is. Uh, the experience of Mathematica was in the uh, skilled nursing facility, but when you look at who resides in, in nursing homes, it's 90% paid for by either Medicaid or Medicare, which is the government payment program. And what that report came back with was an indictment on the healthcare system that said that the quality of the facilities, the HVAC system, the, the infection control was subadequate, it was, it was subpar, it was inadequate. Uh, there was no PPE. Uh, there were the, the, the staff were not paid adequate wages. And as a result, uh, the effect of COVID and that virus was devastating on the individuals that resided there. Uh, that's not the type of healthcare system that I think we want. We want one that is world-class, which is what we have. We wanna make sure that we keep what we have, but just make it better. That's why reinsurance is the way to go. Now, a way to make it, reinsurance just looks at insurance coverage. Mm -hmm. You still have to get your arms around the actual costs. Make sure that the rate of growth year over year does not continue to grow at the, at the rate that it's been. Now, north of us, we have uh, Republican Governor Charlie Baker in Massachusetts. He instituted uh, what's known as benchmarking, which was a collaborative effort with medical providers in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And they've been able to reduce their rate of growth from 10 to 12% year over year to down to less than three and a half percent. That has saved the Commonwealth billions of dollars and there's no reason why we can't do that here in Connecticut. As a matter of fact, the governor in December of 2019 signed an executive order to begin that process. But since then, we've had to, uh, I'm going to say, uh, embed this uh, idea into state law to not only give it grounding, but to give the state the tools necessary to evaluate that. Unfortunately, you know, the majority has no appetite for this, which I for the life of me, I can't understand it because if we could not, maybe not get the same performance that Massachusetts got, but even at four or 
And if you look at that across the state employee, the state retirees and the Medicaid line items in the state budget, that's hundreds of millions of dollars we would be saving that could fund the reinsurance program with the money that we already allocate uh, to paying many of the state's bills with regards to healthcare. And I also think we have to, at some point, look at uh, the high cost of pharmaceuticals and to utilize uh, back in 2018, when I was chairman of the insurance committee, I believe it was Senate Bill 973, where we were starting to get more uh, data on just the cost drivers within the pharmaceutical industry and look at what that information is bringing us so that we can start getting our arms around that aspect too. So what does that look like? I think maybe you would be bringing to the table things like uh, purchasing drugs from uh, from Canada. Part of our plan was to look at, uh, you know, seeing if we couldn't purchase uh, or allow the purchase and importation of pharmaceuticals from uh, Canada. Uh, But the, the bill that we passed in the General Assembly back in 18 was geared more towards how does uh, you know, the actual industry operate here uh, in Connecticut, you know, not only the pharmaceutical manufacture and cost, but also through the use of third party intermediaries like PBMs and to get more into what is actually going where, what are the cost drivers within the industry? And is there a way uh, to look at some so- savings within the, the actual industry to, to give a break to the consumer? Uh, and that information has been collected since, you know, 2018. And I think it's time that we start to study that, look at that and evaluate whether or not there's any state response uh, that can bring relief because pharmaceuticals are the number one driver in medical care. Uh, and if we can start to get our arms around that, we're going to even have better uh, results with regards to year over year increases in the entire field. And even within that pharmacy spend, it's it's the specialty drugs that you see advertised on TV that are really driving the trends these days. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Can we go back to, to, to the benchmarking idea for a second? I want to make sure our listeners understand it. I want to make sure I understand it. Uh, so is that you're, you're getting the provider community to agree to benchmark against one another in sort of uh, is it an identification of, of best practices of, of, of uh, evidence-based medicine that says, hey, you know, this is what your cost for this particular episode of care should be. And if you're not there, you, you need to do something about it. Is that what benchmarking does? In essence, yes. It, it's a collaborative effort mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, and Charlie Baker came out of health insurance. That was his background. Yep. And so what he did was collaboratively work with medical providers in whatever, you know, lane they happen to be in, would look at them and say, okay, uh, what do you do? How do you do it? What are the best practices? And how can we work together as an industry with the help of the government? In other words, the governor, government would be uh, collecting the information and evaluating the information but the stakeholders would all be at the table working with one another. And if somebody was doing a procedure, not only right, but more efficiently and effectively, that best practice would be brought to the table that would be shared with other competitors and said, hey, you know, we were able to stay under 4% growth rate and did all of this. You're at eight or 9%. Let's evaluate what you're doing 
and work with you to bring these best practices to the table to help you not only provide uh, goods and services at a lower cost, but to do it more effectively and with better quality. So there were across all lines and to make sure that that's what happened. Now, a little thing that we did differently here in Connecticut and would like to see is that, you know, Massachusetts did this. Now they've learned lessons. And one of the things you don't want to do is leave anyone behind. So as you're going forward, making things more efficient and more cost effective, you want to make sure that not only quality is there, but those chronically ill that might otherwise be marginalized by, you know, I'm going to say not being in the mainstream of medical providers, that they aren't left behind. So that was one component that Connecticut and under our plan we would bring forward is to make sure that those chronically ill and oftentimes marginalized patients uh, don't experience that in the process. Imagine that learning from somebody else's mistakes and and uh, and, and building it better. Correct. Yeah. So uh, just to summarize, uh, it sounds like it, you know the Republican alternative to a public option, which is exclusively supported by by I think Democrats in the in the, the House uh, legislature, is. Um, is to stay in a private system with private insurance companies, preserve a very important industry in the state of Connecticut, but control costs through things like reinsurance and benchmarking and uh, purchasing prescription drugs a different way, um, that, that there's, it, you don't have to jump to a government solution is, is the idea. Yeah, I think what the major issue is and, and how we're different uh, is that first, we're showing that there's a better way to healthcare. Yeah. Okay. That we can work on the current platform. Everybody keeps their current system and providers, but that we can provide a 30% discount. We can do that by also uh, increasing. And we're the only plan that was offered this session that actually looked at the true cost drivers and have a, a tool that's, that has been demonstrated to work at lowering the growth rate year over year. And by implementing not only reinsurance in that benchmarking, we can save, save money within the current state budget to pay for that reinsurance program. So we're going to provide lower cost premiums, uh, better care, and no new taxes, no taxes on health insurance. Now the Democrats have all, whether you're looking at the public option or even the governor's reinsurance, uh, they both, embedded taxes in their plans. Those were the only plans that Democrats uh, passed out of the insurance committee. Uh, they did not pass ours because they have no appetite. You know, they didn't want to pass a bill that didn't tax the people of Connecticut. Yeah. And, and as a result, you know, they, they didn't move our bill. Uh, but I think when you look at it, you know, we can accomplish the lower premium, we can reduce the cost of healthcare and do it without burdening uh, Connecticut families any further with taxes. It's just clearly the better way. It's what I think when you talk to people uh, across Connecticut, it's what they want, uh, but it would solve the problem. And I think this is the big difference is that the Democrats want to keep this as a campaign pledge uh, so that they can go out and campaign on it. But in reality, uh, ever since 2012 or 13, when they adopted the Affordable Care Act, I think Connecticut families have realized that it's been anything uh, but affordable and has become more, more and more uh, costly.
you know, if folks who support a public option would say, would say, Senator Kelly, you know, you need the insurance companies. Do insurance companies even want to reduce their cost by 25 to 30%? Don't, don't they have an obligation first and foremost to their shareholders and therefore some really a, a higher the cost, the higher the profits? Do, do, are they going to uh, are they going to participate in this? Are they going to cooperate? Well, I think they are going to cooperate. Uh, when the proponents talk like that, they're they're focused solely on premium, mm -hmm. uh, and premium is just a once again a payment method. It's it's a it's an assignment of risk, if you will. And what they do is they pay medical bills, and when medical bills year over year continue to escalate. And the Democrats have not gotten their arms under the Affordable Care Act around the cost of medical care. All they've done is focused on insurance. Uh, you got to focus on the root cause, which is if a medical procedure continues to go up 10 to 12 percent year over year, then the cost of your insurance, because it pays for that, is going to go up. The only way to make sure you bring that down is to stop that rate of growth. That's why we are totally different than what the Democrats are proposing. We're actually getting at the root cause. So if we can contain the, the cost of medical care, you're going to contain the cost of insurance. Now, as we legislated, as I said earlier, the mandates on this, if government comes in and does the reinsurance program to not only cover those legislative mandates, but also to leverage federal dollars and can bring 30% reduction. Well, when you put those two things together, keeping the cost down, uh, leveraging federal dollars, we could probably do even more than 30%. Mm -hmm. uh, but we got to start somewhere yeah. and solve this problem. And I think that's the big difference between the, the parties is that we're looking at a, a solution on the current, I'm going to say platform, medical care platform, where the, and that, you know, we have high quality, we have high accessibility, and we're just trying to make it affordable. Those were all the promises of the Affordable Care Act. Democrats, on the other hand, are putting more faith and trust into a government-run healthcare payment program, which is your Medicaid and your Medicare platforms. And they're by no means a gold standard. Uh, you can hear many times when people are on Medicaid, which is a welfare program, uh, they talk about how not all medical providers take it because it operates at a 30, 40% discount. Uh, and then even with Medicare, uh, when people enroll in Medicare, they need a supplemental insurance program. Well, sure. under a public option, Medicare for all, for instance, you're going to do away with that supplemental. You're just going to have your basic bare bones Medicare. And once again, it provides uh, medical providers with a discount. They're not going to pay a dollar for a dollar care. They're only going to pay 75 or 80 cents. And so they balance the medical care on the back of the provider. And one of two things are going to happen when that happens. One, either the medical providers are going to remove themselves from the state of Connecticut, or you're going to get substandard care. But I think with our plan, we can not only reduce premium, we can make sure we get our arms around the cost of medical prov providers. We don't increase taxes. And best of all, we work within the current construct. You keep your medical providers, you keep your insurance company, and we keep good paying Connecticut jobs. I think it's a win-win all around. Yeah, uh, playing devil's advocate, while the Democrats would put their faith in the government, I think your plan has to put some faith in the insurance companies to say, 
well, look, we're, we're actually, if you're going to, you're going to have a set up a reinsurance program for us, or you're going to set up a program where we can actually uh, let, or we could actually um, purchase drugs from Canada and get, and get prescription drugs at a lower cost, that that's going to directly feed their premiums, that they're going to use that, that, that assistance to reduce their premium, right? Don't we have to have faith that, or, or could you mandate that the insurance companies, you know, look, for every dollar we're going to save you on the cost of high cost claimants, you've got to reduce your premium a dollar. Would, would that be the way to do it through a mandate? Well, not through a mandate. Uh, you know, let's keep in mind yep. that, you know, we're operating on the current Affordable Care Act platform. Yep. Okay, so when the Democrats tell us things like, oh, well, all you're doing with reinsurance is rewarding the insurance companies, mm -hmm. that's the platform that they created, mm -hmm. uh, first and foremost. What they didn't do was properly fund the promise that they made. Mm -hmm. And what we're proposing is to make that funding choice. So that's the first thing here. The second is, that embedded in the Affordable Care Act was the medical loss ratio. And they needed to make sure, and it's already there, that when you pay a premium, that the insurance company makes sure that that goes to care and not to their bottom line and their shareholders and their profits. And that if they did actually have more money, then they would return that to the insureds. Yeah. And actually, that's what happened during 2020 with the COVID experience when people were not going to the doctors. Yes. That money was returned. Yeah. So that's what would happen here. So if we did reduce the cost of medical care and people paid too much in premium and the risk was not there and the medical loss ratio, they would get a return on premium. The interesting thing here is that looking at the public option that was created by the comptroller, he doesn't have that medical loss ratio. So if he assessed or put a fee on somebody that participated in the, in the partnership plan, uh, one of these uh, towns or, or nonprofits, there's no money going back. Mm -hmm. There's no medical loss ratio because you don't have the Affordable Care Act protections. So the government under their government payment program actually keeps the pro profits. So what they're accusing our plan of doing is actually what they are doing. Uh, and I think that's another critical distinction. As I said at the outset, they're not regulated by the Department of Insurance. And that that's, makes all the difference in the world. It's such a great point, such a great point that they, they would be playing by different rules and, and not subject to minimum loss ratio requirements for the ACA. Uh, and, and right, they, they, could, they can overprice their public option and, and, um, and keep that money. Senator, um, I, I want to kind of shift a little bit to the national stage. We actually had on this podcast uh, U.S. Senator Chris Murphy a couple of months ago, and and um, uh, he co-sponsored a a the Choose Medicare Act in Washington D.C., which is a which would essentially be a public option, but at the federal level, allowing people to to buy into Medicare essentially. So. Um, What's your thoughts on that? Well, once again, you know, you're you're looking at a government option, mm -hmm. uh, and whether you're buying into Medicare uh, or Medicaid, whenever you put somebody on Medicaid or Medicare, as I was talking about the 
the uh, dollar of care that Medicare only pays like 75% and Medicaid is like 65%. Well, what ends up happening is the private, the fully insured market, and this is one of the cost drivers, the fully insured market for that same dollar of care is now going to pay $1.15 or $1.35 because somebody's got to absorb that loss that's done when you pay for a government option. A government, government option isn't free. They're just balancing their, the back of their care they're giving to somebody on someone else. Mm. It's a cost shift. And so in this case, it's going to put more pressure, upward pressure on private markets and e eventually destabilize the private uh, insurance market. That's the purpose, to be disruptive and to destabilize. And if it becomes destabilized, then what ultimately occurs is we lose these good paying Connecticut jobs, because if the insurance industry goes out of business because they can't compete with Medicare or Medicaid, then, you know, Connecticut families, and we're talking uh, tens of thousands, 40 to 50,000 jobs in the state of Connecticut that are good enough to pay a mortgage and educate our kids and, and contribute back to our communities are gone. And one of the things I think about when I, I think this is, you know, think of a car dealership. Think of there's a one car dealership on one side of the road that that's a you know following all the rules that when they sell a car they're going to get a a they're going to charge a a sales tax, and then there's a car dealership across the street, uh, and that's the that's the government run car dealership. So you're going to sell the same car, whether it's a a Honda or a Ford, it's the same exact car, but the private dealership has to charge sales tax and the and the state doesn't. So there's automatically a sales tax savings. And then what they're going to do as part of this, they're going to put a tax on the, the private car dealership that is going to come over to the public dealer, the other dealership of 10, 20, 30% that they can undercut the private car dealership mm -hmm. and the car dealers, you know, so the one that's selling it privately is now going to have to pay an extra 10 or 20%. And that's given to their competitor to, to charge less. And then if the competitor happens to something go wrong, you know, let's just say the, the, the boiler or the roof leaks or something like that, they get to go to the Connecticut taxpayers and say, you're going to put a new roof on my dealership or whatever to, to absorb the costs if I didn't manage the dealership right. And that's what you have going on here is this is the same thing in insurance. One side is getting all the burdens and costs and and, and, and mandates and things like that nature. And the other is, is the windfall and it's why it's gonna be less expensive. Uh, it's not a true option. At some point, all the promises of the Affordable Care Act, affordability, accessibility, and most importantly, healthcare quality is gonna go out the window. I was gonna ask you about that. I mean, do, do, so you know, what you're saying is that a public option is, a, is a, an end around or a backdoor to, to the uh, the ultimate goal of some people of a single payer system. Right? You're gonna, you're, you, you, the public option would have an unfair competitive advantage. It pushes the private payers out of the market, and now we have no choice but to, to take over the whole system. Do you, do you think, Senator? Is, you, this is kind of a loaded question, but do folk, do proponents of public options? Uh, do you think they understand that and that that's exactly what they want? Or is there, or, or is there some uh, lack of understanding of the repercussions of offering a public option? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. I think some folks 
uh, do have a disdain for the insurance industry and they are just looking at whatever they can do uh, to bring the industry to its knees, mm -hmm. uh, regardless of the, the consequences. On the other hand, there are folks that just look at this and it's very complex. Uh, healthcare financing is not a straightforward proposition. Many don't understand the, you know, the, that Medicaid and Medicare are cost drivers. Uh, you know, you think it's, oh, it's a, it's a welfare program for the poor or it's a, an, a retirement uh, coverage for seniors. And now that sounds nice, but they're cost drivers that actually end up on middle-class Connecticut working families. And when they go to buy insurance for their, their, their loved ones, their, their insurance goes up. Uh, and so when people come in and say, hey, what's wrong with another option? That's a good thing. The more options, the better. I mean, as a Republican, it's like, well, I thought competition was a good thing. Right. Well, it is a good thing when the competition is fair, level playing it's equal, and it's apples to apples. It's not fair when you're saying, well, one person has to jump through hoops. One person has to pay all the, the taxes and expenses. One person we're going to put more mandates and regulation on. And the other one doesn't get any of that, doesn't get regulated by the insurance department, doesn't have to comply with the Affordable Care Act, gets underwritten by the taxpayers and is ultimately uh, you know, guaranteed by the taxpayers. Well, that's not fair competition. Uh, and so if we're going to have apples to apples, yes, let's bring on the competition. Let's compete in the marketplace. Uh, but here, that's not what the, is being proposed unless you're going to say one option is to keep the current system and your medical providers and to keep the high quality that Americans have come to rely on in their, in their healthcare uh, industries versus another option that offers a lower cost but you get lower access and lower quality. And if you want to just, you know, buy a, a Chevy as opposed to, uh, you know, a, a, a Lexus, you can do that. Uh, but that's, that's what it is. It's not a Chevy to a Chevy. Um, it's, it's something totally different. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're running out of time. I did want to, uh, I did want to ask you, Senator, you know, for people who understand this stuff, who have some idea of healthcare and healthcare financing and the complexities of it and, and understand the reality or, or, or the fallout, the, the likely fallout of a public option, um, how do we get the word out? What's the call to action? How do we how do we educate or make our voice educate our legislators and representatives and make our voices heard? Well, what we do is, you know, we uh, part of it's the industry and the industry itself did some, uh, I'm going to say, uh, grassroots and and took to the airwaves and and public service announcements, uh, got information out as to what is a public option and what does it mean. Part of it is what we had put together. Uh, we put together legislation uh, that it's not just, you know, Republicans saying no to a public option or to what the Democrats are doing, but we're actually showing that there's a better way, that not only can we reduce premiums, we can reduce cost growth, and we can do it without more financial burdens and taxes for the Connecticut families, and it works. And the thing about this is our entire plan has been vetted uh, by the Wakely Report, the Connecticut Exchange, 
by no means a liberal or uh, conservative organization, more like a liberal one. Uh, they did these uh, studies and said that the reinsurance worked. Uh, benchmarking works in Massachusetts. So there's a, there's this, this actually will work. Uh, and you got to show your better, better way and, and put it in an easy, understandable language and get that message out to not only our fellow legislators, uh, but in a grassroots effort across the state of Connecticut. Great. Thank you so much, Senator Kelly, for joining us. Uh, if you have one minute, we, we love to ask a, a set of rapid fire questions at the end for each guest so we can get to know you a little better. Are you okay doing that? One Absolutely. minute. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So would you prefer to do laundry or dishes? Dishes. Should the toilet paper roll go over or under? Over. Favorite TV show that you're currently binging? Uh, the Crown. If you were to win the lottery, let's call it the Powerball, big money uh, tonight, what, what's the first thing you'd do? It's a good question. I, I'd go home and uh, probably walk down the end of the street with, with I, I live near the Long Island Sound and... Uh, get the beach chair with maybe a, 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 a nice beverage and just wonder and, and think about how great life is. That's awesome. I'd love to be able to join you if you don't mind. <laughs> um, and uh, finally, this year, Senator Kelly, our theme at One Digital this year in 2021 is rise. So we're trying to rise in 2021. We all went through a very difficult 2020, difficult first part of 2021 for that matter. Um, so how, how are you going to rise personally in 2020? Well, you know, what you try to do, whether it's uh, last year, this year, or the next year, uh, is utilize uh, the blessings and God-given talents that we have all been given uh, to the best of our ability and to always pay it forward. We are our brother's keeper. And uh, to the level and extent that I can help somebody, that's what I'm here to do. And I'm going to continue to do that. Well, thank you for that. We appreciate all the work you do on behalf of Connecticut President Senator Kelly. So thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate it this time. And uh, to all you listeners, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. As always, thanks for tuning in. This has been yet another episode of Friends with Employee Benefits.